apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810, call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I am Steve Risser. And we got Jace Garcia filling in for Justin. We got a producer filling in for Justin Heck today. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's pumped up. And uh, so uh, last night, the playing tournament began, and the Brooklyn Nets got a big win over the Cavaliers, 115 to 108. They got off to that red hot, I mean, they got off to that red hot start, you know, went, up by, uh, went up by 20. But because of the Cavs bench and Darius Garland, they were able to get the lead down to six. But Kevin Durant made two huge shots late in the fourth quarter to, to seal the game. Durant and Kyrie did their thing. Uh, Durant went for 25 and 11. Kyrie went for uh, 34 and 12. Uh, 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 Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond, they stepped up too. And uh, the Nets were able to advance 115 to 108. I mean, a, a, a big win for them. And, and and they got the Celtics next now. I mean, a, a big win last night. I, I, think, I think there's really – last night the, the Nets showed why KD – and, and Kyrie are going to be so difficult to stop in the postseason. They're they're two of the best offensive players in the game in the game, and they did an outstanding job in, in the postseason to beat the Cavaliers. And for the Cavaliers, they're going to need another night out of Darius Garland like they did last last night. They need a, they're going to be at home against the Hawks or the Hornets, but they're going to need another night out of Darius Garland. But just but 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 all in all, KD and Kyrie came through for the Nets, and now they're on to the Celtics. And in this series against the Celtics. 
I, I think this is going to be a really fun, exciting series. But I do think the two best players on the floor are KD and Kyrie, and I think that's going to that's, that's going to be that's going to be the difference. I do think the Celtics have a chance, especially if they could win both those games at home, and if uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are good, and they're going to have to have one of their three starters. They're probably not going to have Robert Williams. They're going to have to have one of their three starters, either uh, either Al Horford, either Grant Williams, or either uh, or either Marcus Smart to step up. And their bench has got to step up. Their bench with Pey- Peyton Pritchard, uh, the, the, their bench is, with Peyton Pritchard and uh, Derek White. Their bench is going to have to step up. So it should be a really good series between the Nets and the Celtics. But I'm going to take the Nets to win that series in six games. But Jace, can uh, Tatum and Brown uh, outrule uh, KD and Kyrie and get the Celtics to the second round? Dude, I think. The Cavs played, like, one of the best games ever that they could have played last night. And the Nets, I mean, too much. Kyrie, KD, that's just too much. Cavs, they got a bright future, though. I mean, really missing Jared Allen and, I mean, Colin Sexton. I think when they come back next year, it's very, very – they're a team to look out for. But, I mean, the Nets, yeah, KD, Kyrie, too much. I do – and, I mean, sucks that we don't get to see Ben Simmons get into the mix. But, yeah, I think they're just too much right now. Katie's injury is really the only reason why they're in the play-in tournament. And then, obviously, the vaccine stuff with Kyrie. But, I mean, and then talking about this, this is going to be one of the biggest first-round matchups this season in the playoffs because both these teams had so many questions, especially early in the season. Obviously, the Nets, like I mentioned, Katie gets injured, Kyrie he, he's got all the vaccine stuff. Then you had James Harden wanting out. And the Celtics, everyone's been on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They can't, they can't mesh well together. And all both these teams figured it out and have been playing well to end the season. But uh, while I think the star power is there for the Nets, I, I don't necessarily know. I, I think the Celtics are a team that's peaking at the right time. I think this is going to be the best. First round match matchups of this playoffs, but I am going to go with the star power as well. I'm going to go with the Nets. I do think it's going to be very, very close. This is going to be a seven game series. But I'm Ooh, you're going seven. You're going so you yeah. so you think the Nets win a game seven in Boston? Uh, I I do. KD, this is arguably his league right now. Celtics, they're getting hot at the right time, but there's. I think those synergy issues they had at the beginning of the season are going to show in the playoffs uh, because, I mean, the, the playoffs is a retrospect of your whole season. All the little things like that come out. and, and But they have been hot. I, I can easily see them beating the Nets here. I, I think it could go either way, but I'm going to go with Kevin Durant and, and I'm going to go game seven. Yeah, I think the Celtics are wow. playing really, really good. They're, when you talk about a team getting hot at the right time, that, that's where the Celtics are. There's a reason why last week Justin had them. Uh, he, he came on uh, posting up a couple weeks ago, and he had the Celtics in, in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're playing great basketball, but, I mean, I, I'm not going to take away from the Stars. I'm not going to take away from Kevin Durant. No, you can't. And, and talking about the Celtics – the thing is, yes, they play good basketball, but if you look at the big duels in the Eastern Conference, I mean, KD and and, and uh, uh, KD and uh, Kyrie, uh, Harden and Embiid, uh, even Giannis and Middleton, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have play, and, and uh, Bam and uh, Butler. 
Jason Brown and Jason Tatum have have played the most games of any of those. Uh, uh, played the most games of any of the together of any any of those uh, contending team, any of those duos of the contending teams in the Eastern Conference. So that's why I I, I like what the Celtics have done this year. But I think first year head coach and really if Brown and Tatum don't play well and and I oh I, I I'm banking on Kyrie and KD to play well more than, play great more than I'm banking on Tatum and Brown. So if they don't play well and, and they got a first-year head coach, I know the whole head coach might be better than Steve Nash, but still it's a first-year head coach. I just don't think that's going to be enough to carry them in this series. I, I, I think they're going to win a couple games, but I just don't think with them with them not having the two best players on the court and them having a first-year coach, I think that's not going to be enough. Uh, that's that that's not going to be that's not going to be enough to carry them in this series. No, I, I think really the only way the Celtics win this is like if we see either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum flip that Trey Young switch like last year and just take over and start dropping like insane numbers every night. That's the only real way I see the Celtics getting it done. I do think they'll play it tough, like I said. But, I mean, you want to talk about – I mentioned with the Cavaliers, but also look at the Celtics. You bring up like the first-year head coach, all this stuff. The way they're playing at the end of the season, you got to hang your hat on that if you're a Celtics fan. The, the, and that's when stuff starts to click, especially with all this these changes going around. So th- they should be happy going into next season uh, if they don't make a run here in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. With Brown and Tatum, the future is really, really bright with them. But we got a comment from Xander. Nets in six. Tatum and Brown can't play as well together as KD and uh, Kyrie and KD. Two guys that have shown us that they could take a game over. Celtics only have Jason to go off because Brown hasn't shown. Great point. Great point by Xander. Brown just hasn't shown us that yet in the postseason. Uh, Kyrie, uh, uh, KD and, and Kyrie have. That's a great point by Xander there. That's why he's taking the next in, Nets in six. And then that's, that's, that's definitely a reason why I'm taking the Nets in six. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give him that seven. I'll give him that seven. I think you're, you're going seven. Yeah, I, I think I think Tatum can drop. A, I, I think he'll have at least two forty-point games to to get the the Celtics two big wins, and I think everything else. Yeah, I, I honestly, the only way I can really see the Celtics getting past it is maybe if there's an injury or something with the Nets, but you, you can't ever expect anything like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that would probably be the probably the only case would be if somebody if they, if the Nets had a, had had injuries like they did last year in that series against the Bucks, where uh, Harden got Harden was banged up and, and Kyrie missed most of that series. So that's really the only way that the, that the Nets would I, I think the Nets would lose that series. But we got to shift over to the other playing game tonight in the Eastern Conference, and this is a great matchup b- between uh, the, the, the in the in the in the East. That's that's the that's the West. Uh, the Eastern Conference. It's a great matchup between the uh, between the Hawks and and the and the Hornets and the Hawks. You got uh, you got uh, the the winner obviously goes to Cleveland to play the Cavs. But I'm just so excited for uh, for this matchup between these two guys, uh, Lamelo Ball and uh, and Trey Young going at it. And I think it's going to be fun tonight. I think these two guys are really going to do a really good job uh, going at it uh, uh, between each between each other. I think it's going to be a fun, high scoring game. But the difference in this game is going to be. I think even though the Hornets arguably might have the better team around their star, I just I'm going to go with the experience. I saw how well Trey Young played in the playoffs last year, winning two playoff series, and I just don't think he's going to lose a playing game on his home court. I got the Hawks winning this by, I got the Hawks winning this close and advance and and uh, advancing to Friday to play 
the Cavaliers. But, Jace, can LaMelo Ball get the Hornets to Friday? This is this is a very, very interesting game because I'm excited to see how the Hawks play because, I mean, we saw what they did last year. So th- this whole season, I, I don't know, maybe – they they came into it very nonchalant. We don't necessarily we they know what they can do, and now's the time they gotta kick it into that second gear like they did last year. Um, but I mean the Hornets, they they've played great. I I, I love I like Lamelo. Uh, I think he can slow Trey Young down, but I I think just Trey Young and everyone else around him is just better. Uh, Bridges is playing great, has been playing great for the Hornets as well. So I, I think him and LaMelo are going to be that really one-two punch. I, I think they they need to get going for them, the Hornets, to get the upset. But uh, I got the Hawks. Trey Young, they've been here before. They know how to get it done. And it's just one game. Uh, well, well, two, and then after that, when they have to move on to play the Cavs. But uh, I'm going to go – with the experience of Trey Young in the postseason to get the to power through. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I just think this tonight's just gonna be so much fun watching these two guys go at it. I think both are going for at least 30. I think it's gonna be I think it's just gonna be a uh, just a really, really fun, entertaining game. I don't know if one of them will beat the Cavs. It'll be a close it'll be to be a tough game. They'll both either, either win or have a tough game on Friday night, but I just think it's gonna be a really entertaining game. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I'm excited. Alrighty, we had another playing game last night between the Clippers and the uh, and the T Wolves, and uh, this game was this was an interesting game. I mean, the T Wolves got off to a hot start. The Clippers then came back. They had they had a, they had a lead going into the in, uh, in the middle of the second half, but in the middle of the second quarter. But then the, uh, the ironic thing was, Cats did not have a good game. Uh, he got into foul trouble in the set in this in the second half in the second quarter. He got came out, and then D'Angelo Russell really stepped up. And, and had like he had like like nine points in like two minutes for the Timberwolves to to give them the lead going into the half. But in the second half, Paul George started to take over. The Clippers had the lead. The Clippers were up by ten points going into the fourth quarter, and then it all came apart for them. And you thought they were in great shape because Cats fouled out with seven and a half to go with the with the team with the team up by uh, with with the uh, Clippers up by seven. But then the uh, Timberwolves went on a twenty six to eleven run. Uh, Katz and Russell were outstanding. I mean, I mean, Edwards and Russell were outstanding. Edwards had 30. Uh, uh, Russell had 29. And, and, and Xander's comment, Edwards is going to be special. He's, he's definitely going to be special. I think eventually he's going to be the Timberwolves' best player. Katz is good. As I've said for, for a long time, it's hard to – if you don't have Embiid or Jokic, it's hard to have a center as your best player. That's just the reality of it. So I think eventually that Anthony Edwards is going to be their best player. And it, it was a really, really good win for the Timberwolves. But – if they want to, if they want to win, uh, compete in the series in the next year in the next series against the Grizzlies, Cats uh, has got to be better. He's got to start getting the ball down near the post. He can't be, uh, he can't be uh, trying to get the ball up top near the three point line because all the Clippers did last night is, is double them. And the coach has got to be better. Chris Finch has got to make better decisions. You cannot keep Carl Anthony Towns in that game once he got his third foul in the second second quarter. That was a terrible mistake and almost cost him the game. If they lost that game, it was going to be on coaching. There's no way they should have kept Carl Anthony Towns in that game. But all in all, they were the better team. They won the game. Their guards stepped up and were outstanding. But Cats has got to be better, and Finch has got to be better if this team wants to compete against the Grizzlies. This I, – I agree with that. I, I It's rough. Uh, 
Cat Cat definitely has to step up. He needs to be that guy. But I, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe they need Edwards to be that guy to be great. Because I mean, Cat the Timberwolves have underperformed ever since Carl uh, Anthony Towns has been there. I mean, it's been uh, abysmal. And I, I think this is where they should have been years ago, and, and now they're finally here. And, I mean, you, if you saw last night, they, they were celebrating like they won the championship. That was it's ridiculous. That, that was ridiculous. You heard Charles Barkley after the game. Yeah. Won, this is the play and not the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's wild. But I, I do think if any of those top teams are susceptible, uh, if any uh, – I, I like the Timberwolves to maybe – knock off the Grizzlies. I'm not going to say it's going to happen. I, I think just with how young the Grizzlies are, that uh, they might be able to make some mistakes. I mean, you, you saw in the series last year, Utah was able to take advantage. They do have that experience that the Timberwolves don't have. But, I mean, John Moran is playing great. I'm going to go with the Grizzlies to get it done. But I do think out of any of the top seeds, the Grizzlies have that ability to falter just because of their youth. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is another team. I think the Timberwolves will – they should. I want them to. They should give them a, a series. This should be a seven-game series. But I, I think the Grizzlies handle their business. I, I'll give the Timberwolves two. You have two, two, games, two games, two games. I'm only mm-hmm. giving the Timberwolves one game. I don't like the coaching, and I think I, I think it's hard to win to, to to go far with the center being your best player. It's and it's a lot to ask Anthony Edwards to care a, a guy who's 21 years old to carry a team in that series. I think it's going to be really hard ask Anthony Edwards to do that. I just think John Morant has played really well, and he's got good complimentary pieces. Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, uh, Jaron Jackson. I'll take Taylor Jenkins any day over Chris Finch as a head coach. I'm going to give the Timberwolves one game. I just was not impressed with the coach last night, and I wasn't impressed with Cats. And if that continues, the the Timberwolves are not going to win more than one game in this series. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of the Timberwolves. I think that on paper, like the Timberwolves, they're a great 2K team. They're a great <laughs> team to play with in 2K. Cats, D'Angelo Russell, and they were, they're fun. But just when it comes to to the playoffs or any meaningful actual basketball out there on the court, it's it's just bad, man. Yeah, and, and you got Xander's comment. Uh, only eat wolves win if uh, uh, if Bev takes out John. Yeah, and Bev is. I got news for you, Xander. There ain't no way Bev is taking Ja out. He's not stopping Ja in this series. Ja's either going to get to the basket, get the ball to Bain or Brooks, or he's going to, and he's, de- and, and we know he's definitely going to score on his own. There ain't no way uh, Patrick Beverly stops Ja Moran. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ja, Ja's in the MVP race for a reason. Like, he's a different guy now. Like, th- this is going to be spectacular seeing what he does in these playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there could be a chance where the, Tim, the, the Grizzlies could make a run all the way to the finals, the way they're playing this year. But we got to get to the to the other to the other a playing game in the Western Conference, and that's tonight between the Spurs and the Pelicans. Probably the most uneventful game in the playoffs. Two teams that are uh, both that are way under five hundred, but a big reason they're even in this spot is because of the playing tournament. But uh, in this game, I think it's going to be close and competitive. But I'm taking uh, I'm taking. Uh, McCollum and Ingram over Murray and, and Keldon Johnson. That's why I got the Pelicans advancing to Friday night to go to the Staples Center to play the Clippers. But Jace, can Murray outplay McCollum and get the Spurs to the Staples Center on Friday night? 
Yeah, I, I, I think it can happen. Uh, I think th- this is another instance where I think if the Spurs win, uh, it's probably because of coaching. It's probably because of Pop doing something. That, I mean, but uh, I, the Pelicans, to me, they, they should get the win. I'm going to go with them because I, I like the Ingram-McCallum mixture. But, I mean, it, it, it's sad because I think if you throw uh, Zion into this mix, this team can compete with a – very, very well. I, I just want to see what that looks like because I think this is a team that can compete with the top of the West. Not necessarily win in a seven-game series, but compete, put on some great games. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll pull through. I, I, I honestly think they could. I, I think McCollum and Ingram might be enough to even also put them over the Clippers. But I, I think they get it done tonight, and uh, that, that's all. Yeah, I think they can get it done tonight. And, yeah, they very easily can beat the Clippers because you saw the Clippers last night in crunch time. Paul George was the only one that was making plays. I don't mind Reggie Jackson. I don't mind Marcus Morris. But those guys were MIA in crunch time last night. Uh, Paul George scored nine out of the 11 points for the Clippers at the end of the game last night. Someone else has got, someone's got to step up for the Clippers in prime time, in, in, in crunch time. That's why, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these two teams upset the Clippers uh, on Friday night. Yeah, it's weird. The playoffs without any L.A. team. Dude, yeah, I know. That's exactly, exactly, exactly. That, that very, very easily could happen. But we're going to stay in the Western Conference. We're going to talk about Jace's team, and that's his Utah Jazz. Is there the number five seed? They face uh, – they might face Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. We don't know yet. but And I think that's that's so crucial in the series if Luka could play or not. I think that is so key in this series. If he can't play, I, I, I don't see the Mavericks winning this series at all because you would have to start Dinwiddie, and who would be able to make Bullock and Finney – the only way, reason Bullock and Finney-Smith are even effective during games is because of Luka Doncic. That's the only reason they're effective. I can't see either of those two guys being effective if Luka doesn't play. And the thing is, if Luka, also if Luka doesn't play, uh, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be too much. Uh, Rudy Gobert will, will, be, will, be, will be really good defensively, and uh, Bogdanovich will be able to hit shots. I think right now, without with, with Luka being banged up, I got the Jazz in six. Right now, Jace, how do you feel about your Jazz going into this series against the Mavericks? I mean, if Luka was held, I mean, I I feel very confident. I mean, the Mavs, they, I I don't know what's going on there. They obviously have their star, Luka. He's great. They they just need to get him some help. Uh, Haven't been doing that. I mean, granted, Kristaps Porzingis wasn't the greatest help. But then they ship him off. I, I think they need definitely a number two at least, or just better pieces in general around him. But if Luca were healthy, I'd be a lot more scared. Obviously, I, I think he is he, the way he plays. He can beat the Jazz just single handedly, and we saw what he could do against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George last year. So uh, I, I think. Him making everyone around him better, him being able to score and do everything, I, I think that's scary, obviously. But I think him banged up, uh, along with him not having the greatest supporting cast, uh, I think the Jazz should take handle business. Uh, I'll give Luka two games just out of respect, but uh, I expect the Jazz to, to handle their business. Rudy Gobert to play at a, at a high level – which, I mean, he started off the season very strong, then then tapered off. Uh, I want to see him back there averaging 15 rebounds a game, 
No one can get in the paint and get in a get in his buckets too. And then obviously Donovan Mitchell, we've seen him at times in the playoffs take over games, drop fifty, drop forty. He he can do that. Uh, I'm excited. I I think I, I hate to say this. I think this is a warm up type of series for my dad. <laughs> You're calling I, it a warm-up. You're calling it a warm-up before they play the Suns. You're calling it a warm-up before they play the Suns. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. I don't want to disrespect Luka like that, but, I mean, let's be honest, dude. What are the Mavericks doing? Mark Cuban, the, the whole Mavericks org- organization, figure it out. Get Luka help because you have a star here who can do something. And, I mean, look at look at the young guys. That, look at the Phoenix Suns. Look what they did with their young guys, bringing in a guy like Chris Paul. Find that move. Make that move yeah. to make your yeah. team better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and Xander said the Jazz better not lose this series. And let's be honest, the Jazz better not lose this series because you get could get rumors that Donovan Mitchell wants out of there if they lose this series. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't put any, any, any thought into those rumors. You don't put any thought into those Donovan rumors. Donovan Mitchell's staying. Staying in Utah, let's staying go, in Utah, you staying yeah. in Utah. You, know, you never know. Wade you never know. Wade, let's go. Oh, that they lose this series, or then they're not competitive against the Suns. Who knows? Who knows? I'm excited. <laughs> we'll see. So Jace thinks this is a this is a warm up for his Jazz against the Suns, and uh, before they play the Suns. So yeah, this it should be a really good series between uh the the uh, the Mavericks and, and the Jazz. But we got the other Western Conference series, and that's between the Nuggets and the Warriors. And a lot of this series is going to be really based on are the Warriors going to be healthy to start the series? Is Clay going to be ready to go? Is Steph going to be ready to go? Because Kerr says he'll be a game-time decision. And then you look at the Nuggets. Jokic, how good is Jokic? Jokic is just absolutely amazing. I mean, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he has his second his, – his, he has his hit, Jamal Murray out, and the guy has just put up great numbers. I mean, he's had – and obviously Michael Porter Jr. has been out too. Uh, but in this series, uh, even if Clay and uh, and and Steph miss time, I still think the Warriors are just a better team. I uh, and I think the Nuggets, outside of uh, Jokic, I mean, you got Morris, you got Gordon, uh, Barton, and uh, and Jeff Green. And that's just that's just not good. That's just not that's just not a good supporting cast around Jokic, and and it's just not going to be enough for the uh, for for the for the Nuggets to win this series. That's why I got the Warriors winning in six. We'll see. I mean, that prediction might change seeing what's ha- seeing what happens with Steph Curry. But as of right now, I'll give Jokic two games. But I got the Warriors winning in six. But Jace, can Jokic carry the the uh, the Nuggets to the second round? Uh, I, I I think there's a seven game series. I think he. I think and I do think the Nuggets take it. I, I think. Jokic is just going to be too much, especially with the Warriors banged up. Uh, a, a healthy Warriors team, I think, can go to the finals. But, I mean, with everyone, I mean, that's just been their MO since all, all season, really. They're just banged up. Uh, and uh, Steph Curry, besides when he was playing at an MVP level, that's when they were doing their best. And I, I, I can't trust a banged up Steph Curry to just come out of nowhere and just get back to MVP form. So uh, I'm going to go the Nuggets, talk about MVP form. Jokic, he's playing just as good as he was last year. And, I mean, he is making everyone around him better. Uh, Bones Highland, who, who is that guy? Everyone's talking about him now uh, because, I mean, you know, the Joker's making him better. I mean, he 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 is making all this supporting guys, even without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. He's making these guys look great. 
Uh, Aaron Gordon's played great. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I'm going to get – I think they – and pull off the upset against the banged up Warriors team. Are you you're, you're taking the Nuggets? You're going to take yeah. the Nuggets over the Warriors? It's yeah. not out if, if the Warriors are banged up. If Steph misses games, right? Not if Steph plays every game. No, I, I think even if I Steph, the way the Warriors have the way the Warriors need to succeed, and the way they have succeeded all season really is when Steph has been at that MVP level. I can't expect him to come. Off injury, come back, play, drop these. He'll play great. He'll do his. He'll be Steph Curry, but will he be MVP level Steph Curry? I don't think so. But uh, so I'm, I'm gonna go with the, the better player out there on the best player out there on the court, Jokic, pulling ooh, it through. Ooh, ooh. Hey, if yeah, you're making a good point with chemistry with Steph and Clay. Yeah, and this Warriors team. If this Warriors team stayed together all year, I think they they're even better than the Suns, but the problem is they just haven't been together all season. That is a good point, but I just can't go go against Clay and Steph in the playoffs, especially against the Nuggets team. That really, there's a major drop off outside of Jokic. I just, I just can't, I just can't do it. That's why I, I got the Warriors to win in six. This will be a fun one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It definitely will be a fun one. So we had a comment from Xander. He said he is he's hyped that uh, we can't say the word after that but he says he's hyped that uh you know miami avoided brooklyn in the first round we'll see how hyped he is to play one because they'll because miami will probably win win their first round series so we'll see how hyped xander is to play one of these two teams in the second round as the raptors and sixers go at it in the first round and i think this is going to be a it's going to be a really good series the raptors have probably one of the most underrated starting fives in the game with siakam with van fleet with Ananobi, with Gary Trenton, with with uh, Scotty Barnes. So that's one of the – they don't have a good bench, but that's one of the best starting fives in the game. And the Sixers, you know, recently James Harden has not played like James Harden. He really has. I mean, he, he's, he's definitely declined, even though he's still good. He's not the James Harden he wasn't. He, he, at the, at, at the, and in the, the last couple of weeks, he has not been the James Harden that he's been, he's been in Houston. Obviously, Embiid, outstanding. He's, he is an MVP. He is very easily could win the MVP. And uh, you obviously you have Maxi and Harris and Green too, but I know here we go. Here, here here's another camera from Xander. Look at our record versus both those teams. We will beat them both at the same at the same time. He we'll see about that. We'll see about that. But going back to the Sixers and the Raptors, I think this is a really really competitive series between these two teams. I think Thibel not being able to come off the bench, not being able to play in Toronto, is going to be a factor. I think I think Toronto wins. You know, I think they might win. Uh, all the home games, but I think Philly wins all the games on their home floor. I think it's a close competitive series, but I'm going to go with the Sixers in seven, and ultimately the difference is going to be Embiid. Embiid is phenomenal. He's great. He's a beast inside. He can shoot the three, and he can pass the ball, he, and he can pass the ball. He can, he can get open looks for the Tyrese Maxis, for the Tobias Harris's, to get, for them to get those three-point shots. So that's why I, why I got the Sixers. Embiid's the difference. That's why I got the Sixers winning in seven. But, Jace, can this Raptors starting five carry them to an upset win and get them to the second round? This is so hard for me to, to pick, honestly. This is probably one of the hardest ones because the Raptors, I, I, I've been talking, I, I've loved, I, I've watched the Raptors pretty much all season. I don't know why. They've been playing great. Scotty Barnes has been playing great. Fred Van Vliet, everyone's been playing really, really good for them. And I'm excited to see them in the playoffs here. The Sixers, I mean, the, James Harden struggled. Joel Embiid's played great. Uh, but the thing is, is with those two guys, 
it feels every year in the playoffs, their health is a question mark. Is that going to play a fact? I think that's going to be the downfall of the 76ers this year. One of those two guys being banged up, not playing at 100% or not playing at all. Is that going to come into play here? Uh, I, I'm not going to try and predict injuries or anything like that. I'm going to go the 76ers, I think, when healthy. This is a team. Granted, while we've seen James Harden struggle in the big games, this is a team that can make a run for the finals. They have the guys. They have the talent. But can they? I I, I think there is some upset potential here. That's why I'm going to go seven games as well. I think it will be a close one. It will be a tight one. I would love to see the Raptors pull off the upset. Uh, but I'm going to go with my head, not my heart, and I'm going to go with the 76ers. You can go with the Sixers. And uh, Xander had a comment. Uh, Raptors don't have the size to match up. And that's good. Yeah, they really – they're going to have to – there's going to be a lot of doubling. They're going to be doubling uh, and because Siakam plays the five for them. So you're going to see them double uh, and beat a lot inside. And that probably is going to create open looks for Tyrese Maxey. It's going to create open looks for Tobias Harris, where they very easily could take advantage of that and hit three. So, yeah, you're going to see MB getting doubled. But once, but, but then once you see, you know, Maxey and Harris hit threes, you can't double MB anymore. And you're just gonna have to, and you're just got that. The and then he, then MB go to work and, and get a ton of points inside. So yeah, this should be a very, very interesting series. But the, but the big question is, is how much pressure is not only in this series but throughout the playoffs is on the Sixers right now? They traded Seth Curry, they traded Andre Drummond, they traded a couple first round picks for James Harden. How much pressure is on the Sixers to make a run this year? I think there's a ton of pressure on Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers and James Harden. I think those three are under a ton of pressure, not only to win this series but to make a run to make a run this this year they I, I feel like they have to win it this year yeah i i mean you're right and also the they have the most pressure going into this playoffs i mean also james harden he might not even be around he might not even stay a sixer he can leave if he wants to so so that might that that's a looming possibility as well so i i i think yeah that they have the most to, to ride on, I, I do think they, they will end up bringing James Harden back. Maybe go one another hurrah. But I, I, I think their ultimate downfall is going to be their health, and it sucks to say. But, yeah, I, I think win healthy. They, they can make the run. They can even win the finals. But I think the health is going to be the downfall for the 76ers. And the big question is going to be if they don't win, who, who do they side with? Do they side with James Harden or do they side with Doc Rivers? Because if they don't win, I don't think Harden and Doc are both back. I think they're going to have to choose one or the other. And what they're probably going to do is, say they lose in the first or second round, they probably get rid of Doc and they hire maybe like a Mike D'Antoni to coach James Harden. Oh, I, I, they resign Harden and they hire and they hire and they hire a Mike D'Antoni. That's that, that's what very easy could happen. I like that. I like that a lot. I can see that happening. Oh, I but know. I think ultimately it's going to be. I, I think the real decision, they have to, it can't be Daryl Morey necessarily making that decision on his own. They need to get Joel Embiid involved because he's the guy. He needs to really, who does he like more, Doc Rivers or James Harden? So I think it's really going to be up to him. But I, I, I'm excited because they need to play with a fire under them. And I hope they do the 76ers. Absolutely. Without quite, without a doubt, without a doubt. So we'll go to our last series in the first round. And this should be the most, probably the most lop, lopsided series in the first round. That's between the Bulls and the Bucks. The Bucks are defending champions. Giannis looks like he's going to be an MVP candidate again. You know, Middleton's been playing well. Holiday's been playing well. And and, and then, then you go over to the Bulls. And this team has really struggled. Uh, DeRozan, 
he's he's good, but he can't hit threes. Zach Levine can't make players better around him. Uh, Vucevic is a good center, but he's not. But he's not uh, Jokic, Embiid, or, or Katz. Uh, and they don't won't have probably won't have, they won't have Lonzo Ball. Ayo Dosumo will be will be replacing him, so that hurts their bench. So I think this is a series where the Bucks win it, and the Bucks win it pretty convincingly. I got the Bucks winning this series, the defending champs winning this series in five, and facing either, facing either the Nets or the Celtics in the second round. Giannis is is this is his league now. Uh, Giannis is the king, and this is his court. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like the Bulls. I, I'm high on the Bulls. I, I've been high on them. It sucks. The, the, they've really only struggled when they've been unhealthy, when they've had injuries. Um, when they are healthy, they can compete with anyone. But uh, right now, they're going up against defending champs, uh, the greatest player on the planet Earth right now in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he is going to dominate. Uh, average a cool 30 easily, maybe even average 40 on the Bulls, uh, and just march his way closer to another possible NBA Finals. Absolutely. I mean, that'll be interesting to see what happens if the, it's because it's all set up for the Nets and the Bucks to meet up in that second round. And we all know one thing: the Bucks th- that game against the Cavs on Sunday, they lost that game on purpose. They lost that game because they didn't want to see the see the Nets in the first round. Oh, maybe. Oh, there is no doubt in my mind they lost that game because they didn't want to see the Nets in the first round. All right. Yeah, we'll yeah there's, there's no doubt in my mind that that happened. So, but before we wrap up with the NBA, we got to we finally this will be the last time we talk about this team, uh, probably for the rest of the year, maybe, maybe until they hire their next coach. Because I and I, and I and I gave out the clue. The Lakers fired Frank Vogel, which was pretty obvious. But there's many more changes this team needs to make outside of Frank Vogel. I mean, Russell Westbrook was a total disaster on this team. He could not – that trade could not have been worse. Seeing the fact they had to give up Montrez Harrell, seeing the fact they had to give up uh, KCP, KCP and Kyle Kuzma for him, that trade could not have been worse. AD the last two years has had, has had a ton of issues staying healthy. He's missed almost 75 games in the last two years. Yes, the Lakers don't win a championship in 2020. With with him, if they don't get him, but he's been he was he just has not been able to stay healthy the last two years. And LeBron, I mean, he's doing all he can, but with with what with the, with the hand he was dealt this year, with AD missing forty two games, with uh with with uh, uh with Russell Westbrook being absolutely terrible, he just could he just could not get this team anywhere this year. I mean, Frank Vogel got fired, but there's many many other problems with the Lakers. Yeah, uh, I, I don't even necessarily think Frank Vogel was that big of a problem. I, I think Frank Vogel and J, uh, Russell Westbrook all season long they they were the scapegoats. But put put some uh, put some credibility on the people who actually deserve it. Rob Palinka, what is this Russell? I, Rob Palinka and LeBron James, like LeBron James, you're a player. You're not a GM. I don't understand what this is. You go, I think it was Get Up. Magic Johnson was on there talking about how they could have gotten DeRozan. They could have got Buddy Heald, someone, and then kept KCP, kept like a Kyle Kuzma. But instead, LeBron started talking with Russell Westbrook, and then they pulled the deal there. Like, you, you they, it's not the, the, it's not the X's and O's that is the problem. 
It's not uh, one player necessarily. It's how the team is constructed. This is a retirement home this year. I've been mean, bringing in Melo. That's great. But, I mean, Melo and Russ, with all these guys that are banged up like every other week, it's not going to do well. And, I mean, Caruso, they could have kept. That was the other guy they could have kept. for And also gotten DeRozan, who's taken a big stride this year. Have him be. And then, obviously, Anthony Davis being injured. This is – I don't know what's going on. They need to figure it out. I think Polinka really needs to go. I think that's the biggest issue right now. Uh, bring in someone who can actually make a team that can compete in 2022. Like if this were 2003 and that's who the, the roster you threw out there, sure. Or 2010, sure. But th- this is 2022. Uh, th- this Lakers roster was not – it wasn't great, and we saw that's the reason they missed the playoffs. More more credit – more uh, – they need to get after Plinka. That, that's all I'm saying. Vogel and Westbrook were the biggest scapegoats. Rob Palinka and then LeBron James trying to play GM. Those are that's those were the biggest issues for the Lakers this season. Yeah, we'll start with I'll start we'll start with Palinka. I'll, I'll start with Palinka. You made a great point about how he constructed the roster. The Lakers 21st in three-point shooting. This is yeah, you said it. This isn't 2003. This is 2022 and Palinka did a terrible job structuring this roster. Uh, they, they needed to get more shooters, not go out and trade for Russell Westbrook. And that's where the blame goes to LeBron. LeBron should definitely be blamed. And yes, I don't love the blame, blaming, blaming LeBron, but LeBron should be blamed for this because he will, instead of, you know, being a better basketball team, instead of trading for a buddy healed, instead of signing a DeMar DeRozan to be a better basketball team, you wanted to play with your friend and it completely backfired on you. That's definitely why, that's definitely why LeBron is, is, is to blame. And, and uh, w- with Westbrook and Vogel being scapegoats, Westbrook absolutely deserves to be the scapegoat. He came here and was did not – and he's, he's been a player that just doesn't get it. He clearly doesn't get it. He's one of the worst MVPs of all time. He cannot shoot threes. And since the league has, has, has kept trending into a league where guys can shoot three-point shots, he just has not – but he's 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 not kept up with the times. He just he just he's refused to learn to get it. He's refused to learn how to shoot three point shots. So I don't have any issue with Westbrook being the scapegoat because he clearly doesn't get it. He just can't play with superstars. He can't shoot threes. It's all about him and all about his numbers and stat padding. Oh, triple double, triple double, triple double. Here's new. I got news for you. It is easier than it's ever been to get triple doubles because you can't hand check. At the, at, the, at the top of the keys, so you're able to get to the basket and you're able to, you know, he's able to draw that extra defender to, to, to kick it out to a shooter. So, it, and then with the rebounds, a lot of times with rebounds, Westbrook's just getting those rebounds when no one's boxing out. And I've said this for years. He is an overrated player. He's one of the most overrated players in the history of this league. So I don't think Westbrook has any, I don't mind Westbrook being the scapegoat at all. Vogel, I kind of do because, yes, he did win a championship in, a, in, a, in 2020, but also, but the other thing with Frank Vogel is he won a championship with LeBron James. He had he had the best player in the world. So I, I so I, I I could see where some people want Vogel to be the scapegoat. They don't think he's a great coach, but also I can see where people don't want don't want Vogel to be the scapegoat because he is considered he has done a pretty good job as an NBA coach. He did a good job in Indiana. In Orlando, they didn't have the talent around him. But yeah, I, this whole thing is a mess. But to recap, I think Palinka has blame because of the way the roster's been constructed. And I definitely think LeBron should be blamed for trading for Russell Westbrook because that's 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 the thing. That's the reason why the Lakers missed the playoffs is they, is they traded for Westbrook and didn't go out and sign DeRozan or trade for Buddy Heald. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My, my, my thing with the Russ thing, why I'm not putting the blame on him, I mean, 
really they wanted to bring him in and have him be a role. He's not that guy. Granted, he's not going to carry a team to a championship, but he's not that guy. He's not a role player. He never has been. You're bringing a duck in and telling him to balk like a chicken. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but at this stage in your career, he needed to realize he needed to be a role player. If this thing was going to work with with LeBron, he needed to be a role player. LeBron had to be the guy, and he had to be a role player, and he didn't want that to happen, and that became a major issue. Yeah, and that's on the GM for not making the, the, the move that needed to be done. I mean, Russ, while it's great being friends and that stuff, I mean, if you're going to come in and him not change, I mean – you got you get Russ. You get what you get with him. Uh, so it, and that w- is not what's benefiting the Lakers. So I think that's more on going out and getting him than it is him himself. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lakers. Yeah, very, 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 very poor job of Rob Palenka listening to. I know LeBron has a ton of power in this league, and he's and he's definitely been involved in moves in the past, but. When you one thing you learn about once you I think Rob Palenka learned this year, when you're the general manager, you have to make the decision, not let the players make the decision. Because if you made the decision to trade for Heald, you made the decision to get to Rosen. I don't know if you'd be the top team in the West, but you'd be de- you definitely would be in the playoffs. Oh, for sure, definitely. Especially with the strides the Rosen's taken this year, ah. and also keeping a guy like the, the guy like Caruso solid, just side piece. Solid, and then a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Just these other guys, that you did, even Buddy Heald, and these other guys that you just don't have. You you don't have to worry about Stanley Johnson being your second best player. I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I, hopefully they can, hopefully they can figure it out because the NBA is a lot better when the Lakers are good. Definitely, absolutely. And really, outside of 2020, the Lakers have not been good in the last decade. I mean, I know they made the playoffs last year, but since 2020, they just have not been good. They have not been good in the last decade. But we have a quarterback that got another payday, got another extension. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic, presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotgun start at 9 a.m. on the player course. All righty, so today the Raiders extended Derek Carr three years, $121.5 million, getting over $40 million a year. And uh, a lot of people are going to say, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't earn this money. He, doesn't, he didn't earn this money. He doesn't want a playoff game. But look at the way quarterbacks are getting paid. Look at the way Dak Prescott, who is close to as good as him, is getting paid. I know Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes are better than him, and they're getting paid over $40, 45000000 a year. So that's just the way the way it is at this position. And I think you, I think the, 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 we're really going to see this year, this is the best roster Derek Carr has had in his nine-year career with the Raiders. 
with the addition, with the Raiders' additions of getting a Chandler Jones. They obviously locked up Max Crosby. They went out and obviously got Devontae Adams. I mean, the offensive line's a question. Josh Jacobs needs to have a bounce back here. But I think Carr is good enough to get the money that he's getting. And I think he's good enough to be – he's a solid starter in this league. He's been in a trash organization for for years. That's why he hasn't won a, won a playoff game. Yes. he Is he an elite quarterback? No. But he's a very, very good quarterback in this league. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I've said ever since the big moves happened this offseason that the Raiders, they should be the favorite in the AFC West. They've just bulked up and got better. I, I know a lot of people have argued with me about that. I, I think they are the favorite. I think they win the AFC West. I think, and I do think we are going to know by the midway point of the season. Cause I mean, the Raiders MO past couple years start off strong, then just midway through the season turn into mediocrity. That's going to be the biggest knock on Derek Carr. Is it really Derek Carr's fault? Or is it, the, I mean, we saw the mess that was the Raiders all last season as far as coaching-wise and everything just going on. I, I think just stability, new guy in Josh McDaniels coming in. I I think this is a team that's set up for success. If they can just – everything clicks right. Derek Carr already having that, that connection with uh, Devontae Adams with the Fresno State, I think that'll be great. Uh, I think this is a great, great thing for the Raiders, and I think they are, they are a team, they are one of the top teams in the AFC coming into next season. I think if you, if the Raiders were in the AFC South, they'd have a very good chance to win it. AFC East, they'd be in second place. The only issue I have with the Raiders is they're in a loaded division, but you can make a case the Raiders could very easily get to the. They're very easily going to get back. They very easily get back to the playoffs, and they could get they could contend for a Super Bowl with the roster that they have. I mean, the AFC is loaded. There's probably eight or nine Super Bowl contenders, but the Raiders are one of them, and, and the biggest reason why is because of the quarterback they, they, they have. I mean, he he he. I mean, a lot of people don't love Derek Carr that much, but I do. I like Derek Carr. I think he was the biggest reason why that team made the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, look at, like, a Jimmy G. Like, taking him to the Super Bowl. You don't necessarily need to be that guy. I mean, you, we saw a matchup in Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford that was fantastic last year. But, I, I mean, you just need to do enough to get the win. And Derek Carr, while he isn't that – while it, it's a pretty big downgrade for Devontae Adams going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, Derek Carr just does enough. He does enough. He isn't going to do anything flashy. He isn't going to do anything spectacular. He isn't going to go out and win the MVP. But he's here to just get the job done and make sure you're in the best spot to succeed. Plus, I mean, juicing up that defense, helping him out even more. He's He is an all-right quarterback with a lot of great pieces around him, so I think he will look great because of that. I mean, look at a guy like Matt Stafford going from Detroit to, to where he is. That change in scenery, adding those pieces, really, really shows how you can succeed when you make the right moves. And I think the Raiders have made the right moves this offseason for Derek and, Carr to succeed. Yes, and now he's going to finally have a uh, have a stable coaching situation with Josh McDaniels. I know McDaniels wasn't good in Denver, but he's got a second shot. And as I heard Juan Harmon say, say today, he's going to be – right now, I mean, the mistake McDaniels made in Denver was he tried to be too much like Bill Belichick. I've heard he's not going to be like Bill Belichick at all, and I think that's really going to help him in the second stop. And McDaniels wouldn't have taken this job if the Raiders didn't have Derek Carr. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited. I think, I think everything is going upward. Even if it isn't this next season, the future is bright for the Raiders because of the moves they made this offseason. Yeah, and don't forget, Derek Carr had six game-winning drives. Actually, I think the one time Carr had the ball in his hands with the game on the line and didn't come through was against the Giants this year because he had six game-winning drives against the Ravens, against the Dolphins, against the remember the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, uh, against against the uh, against the Browns on that uh, that that that, mon- that Monday game, then against the Colts. That was a huge win to get that team to the playoffs, and then the game against the Chargers. So six game-winning drives for Derek Carr this year. And I, th- I think, yeah, I don't know how great the Raiders are going to be because of the division that they're in, but this is the right move for the Raiders going forward because in the next two to three years, they're not going to get a quarterback in the draft better than Derek Carr. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, he's the most he's been the most underrated quarterback in the league for I feel like forever at this point. Oh, absolutely. It's just because of the team he was on. I mean, he came to the Raiders in 2014. That team was absolutely terrible. They started to obviously get better. They started to get Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. And they, and, and they, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. And they, and they got Michael Crabtree. And they did get into the playoffs that 2016 season. But he did get hurt right before the postseason. I remember that. And then then, then the coaching and the team. Because then, then, then the teams got worse in 17. Gruden tore the entire team apart when he came there. You remember him obviously trading Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper in the same year. So, and then they they were they pretty much were, were rebuilding for you know pretty much the entire time Gruden was there. And once they were ready to win, unfortunately, Gruden they found they found all those emails about Gruden. And they fired him. So yeah, I, I good day for the Raiders. Good day for Derek Carr. And I really like the future of this team. Heck yeah, I think they're gonna. Win some money in Vegas, you know? <laughs> absolutely. 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 So we do have to hit on some really, really sad news around the NFL. And on Saturday, uh, Dwayne Haskins passed away. Unfortunately, he was struck by a dump truck walking across the highway. Just really, really sad. Just It's just so sad to see something like this. 24 years old, a guy to pass away so young. Just, Just so, so sad. Yeah, um, it, it actually hit live while we were doing throwing jabs on Saturday. So uh, it, it was uh, it, it sucks. And this was really gonna be Dwayne Haskins' second shot of redemption as far as like being a QB. I mean, Mitch Trubisky coming in for the Steelers, he he isn't gonna walk away with that starting job head and shoulders above everyone else. Dwayne Haskins had an opportunity to earn it. And uh, it really sucks. Crazy stuff like this happens. And uh, you, you really puts uh, life in perspective. And uh, it is very, very sad. And it, it sucks. Yeah, you got to cherish every day because you never know what could happen in life. And Saturday was just an example of that. Just, 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 just so sad. Just so sad. Uh, just, just, just so sad that his life is, is, is gone so quickly. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Just, just, just so sad. But uh, we're going to wrap up the show talking about a little bit of baseball. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. 
We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All righty, so the baseball season opened up on Thursday. The Yankees and Red Sox a play start, started on Friday. The Yankees won two out of three from the Red Sox in this series. And I think we'll start with the, we'll start with the Yankees, start with some of the positives from the Yankees. And I think right, right off the bat, you got to start with Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo had, has had a great start to this season. He had the home run. They were down 3 nothing in the first inning on Friday. Rizzo hits the two-run homer, gets them back into the game. And then on Saturday, they're down 2 nothing in the fourth inning after – Kike Hernandez robs Aaron Judge. Rizzo hits another home run. So uh, he he was he was he had a great 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 series. And I think he got a, I think he got another he got another I think he got a he got a two he might have got a two run he got a two run single on Sunday too. So Anthony Rizzo has been red hot for this Yankee team. Six RBIs to start the year. So and another guy who's been playing well has been Giancarlo Stanton. And it was in that Red Sox series. Down three two, got the home run to tie the game up at three. And then on uh, Saturday, he gave the Yankees the lead. So the positives, you know, Rizzo and uh, and and uh, Rizzo and uh, Stanton hitting the ball pretty well. And uh, then you look at uh, you look at uh, Aaron Hicks last night in that two-run homer. He's hitting over three hundred. And it was nice to see DJ and uh, and uh, Torres get a couple hits last night. Those are the guys that need to step up for this lineup for this team to be a World Series contender. This is not a world. This is not a World Series contender. If those two guys don't step up in this lineup, so you really like you really really like seeing that. Uh, and, and I think the biggest positive for the Yankees, though, has been this bullpen. This bullpen has been phenomenal in the five games they played. They've only allowed four runs, and one of those runs was in extra innings where they have a runner starting on second base. So this bullpen has been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, it was just again because we the Yankees only have a starter go go five five innings has been the longest the Yankees have had a starter go. This bullpen has been phenomenal, phenomenal for, for the Yankees so far. So, Jace, any anything to add or any questions for me? Dude, well, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Stanton and uh, Rizzo have been playing uh, really, really great. And I think that's uh, – early on in the season, it's really uh, good to see, like, certain guys stick out because, I mean, it's a long season. It's going to take a while. And, I mean – to see someone like John Carlos Stanton and Anthony Rizzo come out hot, you know, eventually Aaron Judge will, will get his hot streak going. Hopefully guys like Torres and uh, LeMayhew can get there. But, I mean, he, you mentioned it, it uh, earlier. Uh, you talked a little bit about it. But, uh, I mean, a Yankees fans every year, the expectation for the Yankees, is this a World Series team? From these first five games, can the Yankees get to that point? I know it's early, 
and uh, very, very early. But from those first five games, do you see the Yankees make it get into the playoffs the way they've been playing these first five games? That's a tough question. The starting – right now, I'm probably going to say – it's such a tough one. I'm going to say yes because I think Garrett Cole is going to pick it up. I feel like this lineup is a little bit better than it was – I think it's better than it was last year. So with Rizzo being there the full year, because Judge is going to Judge is going to heat up. Uh, I think Judge is going to heat up. You're going to have Rizzo, and you're going to have uh, you're going to have Stanton. So I think this lineup is is going to is going to be better. I think Garrett Cole is going to be good, and I think this bull, the way this bullpen is pitched, it's going to be really good. I don't think they win the division, but I or even get to a World Series. But I do still six games in. I think they're a playoff team. All right, that, that's good. All right, gotcha. that, that should be interesting. I got one more question for yes. you. Gotcha. Yep. We'll move on. Josh Donaldson, new new big move uh, acquisition for the Yankees. How 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 have you seen him fit in? Is he fit meshing well with the Yankees early on? I don't like how he's being utilized. I don't like how he's being utilized at all. I don't like him being. I don't like him at the top of the lineup. I think they need to hit him fifth or sixth. I don't think that utilizes him to his strengths. He's not an average hitter. He's a power hitter. He needs to be in the middle. He needs to be hitting behind. You know. Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo. He needs to be hitting behind them. He should not be the leadoff hitter. Because if you look at Judge's numbers early, the big reason why Judge doesn't have any RBI, he doesn't have any home runs, even though he's hit the ball hard, he's almost hit two out. I mean, obviously on Saturday, almost hit one out. And last night, he almost hit one out. He, he almost hit one out too. But the big reason why Judge didn't have any RBIs is he doesn't have a good leadoff hitter in front of him. I don't think he should be hitting leadoff. I think DJ DeLemayu should be hitting leadoff. So the Yankees, I think Donaldson could succeed with the Yankees, but the Yankees need to utilize him better. All right, all right. I, I, I'm excited. I'm a. I I know I got a lot of Yankees fans around me. I think this season I haven't paid paid attention more, but I'm a, I'm gonna start trying to. Uh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, should be fun. It, oh, oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think the AL East is really, really competitive with 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 the four teams. So definitely should be exciting. But we got we got to go. We got to go to the Red Sox, and uh, I'll start with the positives for the Red Sox. And I think what the the two positives are is. Rafael Devers has been outstanding. He set the tone on opening day with the two-run homer against the Yankees. He set the tone there. Uh, uh, last Yesterday, at two huge hits, and the Red Sox come back, went over the Tigers. So Devers is proving that he's going to be an MVP candidate again. He has gotten off to a phenomenal start. Uh, Verdugo also has hit the ball well. He's sitting around 280, but he, he had a two-run homer on Saturday against the Yankees. The negatives for the Red Sox are, first, the offense has to be a little bit better. Kike Hernandez has one hit. He did have that RBI double yesterday, but one hit. You can't have a leadoff hitter having one hit. That that, that he's Kike has got to be better. Uh, then JD, I know JD's had some some key hits. He had a key. He had some key hits in, in that Yankee series, and he had a key hit yesterday. But he's got to be a little bit better. And Bogart's story got to be better. Story when he comes back, because he was out all all series against the Tigers. And then uh, Bo, uh, Bogart's got to be a little bit better too. But the two biggest issues with the Red Sox. And they really didn't address this in uh, in the offseason. And if they don't make the playoffs, High and Bloom is going to get a lot of heat for this, is their rotation, the depth of this rotation. All the pitchers were okay. Evaldi was okay. Uh, Pavetta was okay on Saturday. Uh, Hauk got into a lot of jams, but he he battled on Sunday. Rich Hill, Rich Hill wasn't great yesterday. And uh, Waka was decent on Monday. But they're starting pitching, especially throughout the first two months of the season, that's definitely going to be a concern, especially without Chris Sale. And you don't know what Chris Sale is going to be like uh, coming off Tommy John surgery. So 
you, you definitely, you, de- you definitely, the rotation is definitely a concern for the Red Sox. And I think the biggest concern for the Red Sox is, is that bullpen. That bullpen is a major concern. You cannot afford to have Garrett Whitlock throwing multiple innings in games. They only used him twice this year. He threw three, three innings against the Yankees. You can't have a reliever throw three innings and expect to be successful. You can't have one good reliever and expect to be successful. Two times the Red Sox have had two of their three losses. The Red Sox have had a lead or, or have been tied going to the eighth inning and they've lost. Two of those three losses, they've lost, they've lost two of their three losses. They've lost two of the games. Once they were tied going to the eighth inning, and the other one, they had a lead going to the eighth inning, opening day against the Yankees. So the bullpen is a major, major concern for the Red Sox. So, Jace, anything to add or any questions for me about the Sox? Well, I mean, with the Red Sox last year, the main story was, I mean, they were exceeding expectations, doing a lot better than people think. I mean, they haven't necessarily looked all that great these first couple of games. Do you think they they continue to exceed expectations? They continue to let uh, have their rotation uh, keep keep them in games and keep winning games, or do you expect them to hit the reality that everyone thought the Red Sox would be at uh, last year and just uh, maybe in the wild card hunt, not necessarily competing for the top of the AL East? I think I think I think they're not going to exceed expectations. I think reality is going to hit the Red Sox this year. I think well, if you look at them last year, they were over. There were twenty games. They were, they were like twenty three games, twenty two games over five hundred at the end of a uh, at the end of July. They pretty much finished the season five hundred for the last. They were a five hundred team the last two months. Did get hot. Won that wild card game. Won that division series against the Rays. But they were really a five hundred team the last two months of the season. And, uh, and and obviously the start of this year, two and three, with a shaky bullpen, a shaky rotation, a, li- a lineup that I th- they will hit. I, I'm pretty sure they will hit. But the problem is their rotation and their bullpen are major question marks. I think right now this is the fourth best team in the American League East. I don't see this being a playoff team. I think this is an average team. I think this is an 81 to 82 win, win team if they don't make a big deal, big move at the deadline, which they failed to do last year. If they don't make a big deal, they don't make a big move at the deadline. This will be more of the team that played the last two months of the season than the first four months of the season last for the first three months of the season last year. Uh, I love that you brought up a deal at the deadline with both the Red Sox and the Yankees. It when do you expect them to make them? I mean, we saw what the Braves did last year after making moves like that. Do you expect that to change their mindset coming in? Do you think they will be looking more so? I know it's a while down the way, the, the trade deadline. Do you think with what the Braves did last year, uh, t- teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox will be looking more to make deals like that uh, throughout this season? They have to. They have to. Both these GMs are under fire a little bit. You see the Yankees in the offseason. They didn't go after, you know, they, they didn't get Carlos Correa. They didn't go out and get, they did not go out and get Trevor Story. A team that struggled offensively didn't get two big bats, two big bats in free agency. And they, oh, they also didn't get Freddie Freeman either. So they didn't get three pretty big bats in free agency. Uh, so uh, I could definitely see them maybe adding a bat at the deadline. And then, you know, then in the rotation, this rotation has struggled so far, they might add an arm. So there's going to be definitely be a ton of pressure on Brian Cashman to make move the trade deadline. The same thing for high and bloom. You look at, you look at the Red Sox. Yes, they did get Trevor story, but do they really, did they really need Trevor story to, to get over the hump? What they needed was more help in that rotation. They needed more help in that bullpen. And last year they had a golden opportunity to get more help in the rotation and get more help in the bullpen. Two, two chances they had this offseason and at the trade deadline to get that, and they have it. And really, and as I've said, the Red Sox have been a 500 team since then. So both GMs are going to be under fire to make moves at the trade deadline. That's why I expect both teams to do that. Uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. We, we aren't even a week into the season. 
I know, I know, I know. And I think there's one more, one more thing we'll talk about before we wrap up, and that's the biggest story of the baseball season, and that was uh, the the uh, the early season brawls between the Mets and the Nationals. You like that, that for a casual fan like oh, you, you yeah, probably so. like that between the Mets and the Nationals and the uh, and the Cubs and the Brewers. And and I don't think the Mets, the two teams, I don't think the Mets for uh, for not taking this for not taking it from the Nationals. I don't think they were wrong. I think. The way Alonzo got hit and then Lindor got hit, they I think they had to they had to start something. They had to they had they 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 had they had to Buck had to get upset there. And then with the Cubs, uh they they hit Wilson Contreras and then they hit Ethan Eden Happ. I think the Cubs had to retaliate and do that. So I didn't think the Mets and Cubs were wrong with any with either thing with the Mets not taking it and the Cubs retaliating. I don't think either team was wrong. No, man. I mean, when you're getting hit with with a pitch, I think I, I think that needs to be a rule in, in baseball. If you get hit with a pitch, you can have a, an NHL-style fight with, with the pitcher. Because, I mean – Oh, man. No, I, I'm just playing around. But still, like, I I, I get it. When, when you get upset, like, I mean, stuff like that happens. You, it's obvious, especially with the Mets and it happening multiple times, like, it's good to see the fire lit. Like this is like playoff type style, like uh, emotions and that stuff this early into the season. I, if this is uh, granted, brawls aren't that great. I mean, it's it's not. But if this is the passion you're playing with at the beginning of the season, imagine just sticking with that for the rest of the season. I, I, this should make for a good MLB season. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you see the passion from yeah. You saw the Cubs, and Cubs get Cubs not Cubs, you know, not taking it. I mean, you're supposed to be rebuilding, but they weren't taking it from the Brewers. They they were they they came at the Brewers, and then you saw the same thing with the Mets. So, really, really interesting to see what what happens for the rest of the season, and see all the storylines that we're going to have in baseball, baseball. So it should be interesting. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ. Big thanks to Jace Garcia for filling in as the co-host and producing today. Great job. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, right off, and it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.